0: Listen, as creatives, our focus should be on the clients and our craft. And now that I have my virtual assistant, I can devote more of my time to exactly that. The beauty of hiring a VA through StyleSmart is that they come to you already trained and able to seamlessly step into your business. From managing appointments and client communications to handling your social media presence, StyleSmart virtual assistants free you up to concentrate on your clients. And that's a change your clients will notice and appreciate. I mean, can we say elevating your perceived value? So when you're ready to level up in your business and take some weight off your shoulders, head on over to stylesmartva.com and book a free discovery call today. You'll also find the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. Style Smart VA, empowering beauty professionals to focus on what they do best.
1: I was ready and then I spilt the dry cat biscuits everywhere. So I've just shoved (laughs) them in a cupboard. She's like out there now going, she won't interrupt us.
0: But she might come in here. Nice. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Hey, friends. Welcome back for another episode of the Your Hair Mentor podcast where I'm your host and hopefully your hair mentor, Crystal Green. Now this week I get to interview someone all the way on the other side of the planet in Sydney, Australia, and her name is Christina Russell. And what she specializes in is kind of different. We've heard about blonde specialists and short hair specialists and extension specialists, but have you heard of a red specialist? Now I've met people that end up having a lot of natural redheads in their clientele, and although Christina definitely has this, she is the authority on the ins and the outs of red hair, whether it be artificially colored red or natural redheads, she's got the experience. And so our conversation is super fun, just kind of discovering how she came to be where she is in her part of her industry and, um, what it means to be a red specialist. So if you are a red enthusiast or a redhead alike, you will love this conversation with Christina. Let's get to it. Well, it's nice to meet you finally, Christina. I've been following you for a little while on social media. And so it's really nice to, um, e-meet you or I mean, what do we, what do we say these days digitally meet you?
1: digitally meet each other it's really nice to see your face and to be talking and connecting and hearing your voice as well I've been binging your podcast actually lately Crystal so (laughs) it's really nice to be having a conversation on top of I've been listening to lots of conversations you've been having with former guests as well and loving it
0: oh thank you it's funny like anytime someone says they've been listening to my podcast I get like a little sweaty (laughs) Like Oh, yeah. you've been listening to me? Like, wait, people actually listen to this? But uh, that, thank you. I, I do appreciate that. <laughs> um, so obviously you have a, a nice little accent. Can you um, tell, tell me about where you're at in the world and share with my listeners um, where you're located? Absolutely. So I'm located in Sydney,
1: Australia, which is one of the biggest cities in Australia. I'm a hair colour specialist and educator. So I divide my time between working in a beautiful little salon with a couple of friends. I currently rent a chair. I've worked in many different styles of salons, from being an employee in a commission salon, larger spaces, as well as smaller boutiques, but I've also travelled all across the globe teaching both for big brands as well as, and more recently, as an independent educator. So I yeah, I absolutely love Sydney, but I have had the, um, the honour of being able to fly all over the world to be able to teach. And now in the technology age, it's awesome because I've got a podcast as well. I've got an online course and really leaned into the digital side of teaching in the last few years as well, which means I get to connect with awesome new hair besties such as yourself and meet cool listeners and engage in different ways without having to get on a 24 hour you know journey which is also great for listeners because we it doesn't replace in person events but it really complements it so i'm from sydney australia so i have that slower aussie
0: droll. To uh-huh voice.
1: And I think I think you sound glamorous so that's win-win. oh gosh thank
0: you <laughs> it's so funny because I grew up in Northern California on the west coast here and you know the the Californian accent if you will is almost the absence of an accent right yep. and I'm always so jealous that everyone has these cute little inflections in their voices <laughs> and I feel like the California is just so like vanilla uh, when it comes to language, but I guess not, right? I mean, you always no. want what you don't have.
1: Yeah, yeah you always <laughs> do. That's what keeps
0: us hairdressers
1: busy as well, right? Because we're always wanting something slightly
0: different. Mm-hmm, hmm I think it's fun to learn and listen from someone who sounds different than you do too. It's it kind of automatically makes it feel special in a way yeah um even though it's like it's so surface level but there's just something magical about it so uh it's funny cuz you're sitting here in a tank top and i'm in this like wool fuzzy sweater it's uh different times of the year for us too right cuz you're you're approaching summer right
1: well actually um strangely enough we're approaching winter but i am in oh. a tank but it's like a light boucle fabric apparently that's trending at the moment but it does get like our winter in comparison I used to teach for Redkin for many years and would go over to the New York Academy like four or five times a year so I've experienced from February right through to probably November in my traveling our winter doesn't require much more than probably a denim jacket and a scarf like it's not it doesn't get that cold gotcha we're quite sydney is quite similar i think to california in the weather like it's quite rare that you need to really layer up
0: gotcha yeah okay well i'm still envious of your bare shoulders at the moment (laughs) i wish we had sunshine it's raining and cold here right now so i'm like oh no i thought we were done with this Oh, okay. So not only are you a hairstylist and an educator, but uh, interestingly enough, you specialize in just reds, right? I want to hear about like, how long have you been so super niched out and like, what made you land there? Oh, there's your kitty cat. Hi. (laughs) I love it. And you know, it's okay. They're just part of the family, right?
1: I'm just going to bring a chair around to the to listeners who um to my listeners on my podcast sometimes they hear her do a meow and if they have a young baby they have this automatic reaction where they sort of turn around thinking "Is my you know is my kid near me or something it's like there she is she's got a chair
0: oh perfect yeah that's okay my dogs are in the other room happily sleeping in their crates so and my kids are off with my husband so I know how it is (laughs)
1: Yeah, she she made a really not so casual entrance and she came around and tipped one thing off and then wanted her chair back. So she'll focus. She'll focus. I'm focused. We're all focused now. So perfect I, I have really niched down. I've been a hair color specialist for most of my career. I've been hairdressing for almost 30 years. I did an apprenticeship in Sydney. I began in a small suburban salon for a few years, but I wasn't really getting that training of doing things like a graduated bob or how to customise different scissor techniques and how to do more technical colours. So I sought out to extend my apprenticeship. I didn't know that at the time, but I wanted to work with somebody that could really train me to a much higher level. And I went to work with Alison Shoa, who was formerly working with Vidal Sassoon, and she opened Australia's first ever colour specialist salon in Sydney called Blondesbury Brunettes and redheads. So we, we it was cute. We learned all of the techniques. She had curly hair. She'd been the head of um, the New York color department for Sassoon's. She'd also worked for Crazy Color in London. And we did punk color. We did, you know, classic color. I was doing henna's. I was doing the full spectrum of hair colour and we realised my strength wasn't in cutting. I would always, I tried, I did the learning for everything, but I would always forget there were ears on both sides of the head and (laughs) have like a little bite mark or a little C-shaped jump out of one side. So we realised after a lot of training models that it wasn't my strength and I knew enough to be the foundation to understand how to enhance with texture, dimension, how to flatter or do detailing in a shape but I certainly didn't have that way of thinking or the, I guess the inclination as well, that I wanted to continue the training with it. I loved color formulations and therefore I needed to learn all the techniques. So I really immersed myself, I extended my apprenticeship and then got into being an educator as a colorist with her, like uh like talk, not talking sort of, you know, hands on stage, doing extra things. And just loved it and i realized probably only in the last five to eight years working at some of the biggest global shows both for red different brands as an independent representing hair magazines both here in the us i've been to sweden for hair shows all over asia and red is hard red is not something that is brand related yet it seems every single brand struggles Mm -hmm. every veteran to newbie hairdresser can really struggle with it and it really is something that i saw hairdressers struggling with but more so i also had clients sitting in my chair in the salon saying nobody can get my red right i always leave looking like i've been to the salon there's always these brighter pieces I ask them for something different they do it I end up with stripes in my hair and I thought the two things like there just wasn't something meeting up was it our training did we not learn this in beauty school or cosmetology school apprenticeship I know I was forced to not forced but I did some training but I was really out there on the floor working on paying clients as my experimentation ground and it's quite scary. So I wanted to change that for people. And I've created a unique levelling system in my education that's translatable brand to brand. And I changed my messaging on my social media to attract clients into the salon, knowing that I'm a reds and copper expert. I still do blondes. Um, Some of my blondes and brunettes say, oh, are we Like the blondes, no, because I still feature photos of blondes. I do curls, curly colour and coppers and reds. But I also get, and this might be a bit of an aha moment, there are so many natural redheads that are looking for a great hairdresser. And if you can extend your colour knowledge to know how to cover their greys or how to offer them something that's a natural sun-kissed, They will come to you. They will tell their friends about you. It is like this untapped niche of unhappy people out there that are salon hopping because hairdressers keep not meeting their expectations. So I've found that in education and in the salon, it's helped me to scale my business and to attract more clients. I still do the odd, I dabble in brunettes. I do some scalp bleachers. And I have enough products for it, but I I do really specialize in reds and coppers and that's what people know they can get from me and they will come you know, far and wide to come and see me.
0: Yeah. Um, I think there's something really cool about such an interesting niche. Uh, it's pretty common these days for people to be in some sort of a niche market, right? Whether you're the Organic natural stylist, or you're the blonding specialist, or the curly hair specialist, but the red specialist is kind of unique. And I have to tell you, I did a little quiz on um, my social media. Was it yesterday or the day before? Just as kind of a, like a little warm up for uh, this conversation. And I said, Hey, I'm interviewing a red specialist. And I got multiple responses from natural redheads that were like, oh, excuse me, like just clients that follow me or, you know, general public that follow me that were like, wait, someone specializes in natural redheads. I want to hear from her. Um, and then I had them respond with a conversation like, oh, she does red hair color. I said, no, no, I'm pretty sure she knows how to serve natural redheads better as well, because that is difficult. It's kind of the same thing, right? When a natural redhead starts to go gray and loses pigmentation, you have to understand how to formulate that red to then make it look natural on the natural redhead right
1: yeah absolutely and I think it's two two ways of looking at it it's a grieving and this massive emotional shift so the redhead client who's sitting in your salon getting a few grays or whites that are starting to come through may have for the last five years noticed that their hair is more dull whereas in their childhood whether they were teased for it or celebrated for it or both it was their flaming crowning glory and so there's these sorry there's these emotions that are going on as well from a salon point of view if you put a color on there that us as hairdressers, we are wowed when we see a hair show or something that's on a catwalk or on an Instagram feed that is the brightest. We say tomato sauce, you say tomato ketchup. (laughs) Bright, bright red. We're wowed by it. It's fun. It's attention grabbing. It is not something that naturally happens in the spectrum of natural colors so when a natural redhead is seeking out their first ever hair color it's usually much older than a brunette or a blonde dabbling for the first time just for fun and it's usually because their brilliance or their brightness has gone so unfortunately so often hairdressers grab for the brightest orange or they hear you want to go a bit brighter and then that client literally looks like they've just stepped out of the salon And they don't want that. They just want to have a glow up or they want to look like themselves with less of that grey in there. And it's something that I actually teach in my online program. And it's something that comes up again and again in coaching within my community for hair painting for redheads, so much so that I've recently created a new fast track It's more of a mini course all on formulations and I have an ebook on this to help people. So there's a formula that you can approach, but it does take a little bit of experimentation. And I realised that this is a thing because I had a client who moved over from the UK to Australia. She tried a few of the top salons in Sydney and her roots were glowing. Like you could see them from outer space. (laughs) And the rest of it was like a brownish ginger. And she said to me, please, can we... We met at some drinks. Um, It was a UK hairdresser friend visiting Sydney. I used to work with him on shows. And she is a loving, loyal client. We also want to be able to please them because she's now 90% grey, was a natural redhead. She rebooks every four to six weeks which is much more frequent than a balayage that comes every six months. A redhead is a slower one to get into the salon because they're a little bit nervous. They're unsure what's available. But one of my bigger specialities than the high-end fashion reds is I tell clients I specialize in natural, uh, in inverted commas, natural looking reds, coppers, auburns, mm-hmm. golds, strawberry blondes warm blondes. I love creamy blondes. So I let them know that I love warmth and why I love it is it's healthy, it's bright,
0: and it looks natural.
1: Yeah. Even if they've spent a few hours in the
0: salon. Right. Right. What do you think is um, one of the biggest hurdles when coloring naturally red hair that most hairdressers run into? if you had to pick something?
1: I think, I think it could be either if you were lightening natural red hair to get to like your beautiful color, to get to a platinum or to get to cream, whether it's in highlights or balayage. I think hairdressers went into a problem, not knowing what product to choose. Most color ranges and most salons these days have at least one bleach so they may even have as many as four or five bleachers in your range you might even have three in your color area if you are an independent or a booth owner it's an affordable option to have a few so I would suggest that hairdressers test their bleaching and to actually get some red hair strands a pro tip that I would share is that you need to have a blue powder bleach when working with red hair. <clears throat> Sorry. You need to have a blue powder bleach when working with red hair or natural orange based or auburn because blue is the opposite to orange and blue will lift to a less brassy blonde which returns back to the salon still more of a brighter blonde. So I think that it can come down to lightening is to know what bleach to use, not to go for the fastest because it will make it more yellow. And then the gray coverage is a little bit of a tweak in what formulas you're using as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Because the, with the natural red pigment in there, it's almost like you have your underlying orange with like more orange on top of it. Right. So you need like the double whammy with the blues and the drabbers in the bleaches. I could see that.
1: Absolutely. And I think that with the gray coverage, we, we overcomplicate it and hairdressers tend to want to put a drip of this and a drop of that and an ounce of this and a cap of this You've, you've really got to measure things and my suggestion is to use an n which is point o or an n as your base and then keep it simple and choose one target color and then you intermix those and then you've got room to move if you need it to be a bit brighter you can add a bit of brightness in but not to mix and formulate from a point of fear if you're not confident with something that could go for blondes brunettes redheads curly hair dry cutting it could be time to reinvest in some education. It's it's not a wise thing to keep saying yes to absolutely everything because that's when the fear creeps in. And we've all had all those thousand voices in our heads that are saying, do this, don't do that. Why don't you know how to do this? And we can go through that with colour as well. Mm-hmm. So it's something that I think we've got to be aware that natural redheads probably don't want to look like they've had a packet dye or a really bright hair color or they would have just done it themselves at home. you yeah. are seeking out a professional hair colorist that will either add a bit of sparkle or low maintenance color for them just to give it a they're really nervous so that would be where I would suggest to start mm-hmm. on the side of caution rather than diving into the brightest like, hair show red
0: yeah no absolutely i can imagine if you grew up with red hair it's just part of your identity and so if all of a sudden it just gets elevated like crazy you're gonna feel like i'm not me what is this i don't understand you know
1: yeah absolutely i think it just doesn't feel like themselves and people will be commenting to them but they won't be yeah wanting it to be like that and a lot of redheads have cooler skin and naturally so if you're putting on something that's a really bright orange it's better suited if it's a warmer copper or a warmer red to warmer base skin which is something to really consider it does come into the complexion and suitability as well so doing things that are just gently a shade
0: warmer or lighter or darker can work really well nice I love your hair color, by the way. Uh, I love this like very soft, but bright and light. Um, I mean, it's almost like peachy red. Peachy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's
1: a bit peachy. I am, um, the way that I achieve it is with a high lift tint. And I think a lot of hairdressers forget the beautiful high lift, or it could be called special lift or 11 series or 12 series in the brand that you work in. Those special ones that are probably up high on the shelf collecting dust and you can mix them with 12% or 40 vol. I utilize those a lot with hair painting for redheads to get the lighter shades so if Mm -hmm. we think of strawberry blondes rose gold so i do that and then use a pastel color toning shampoo i use something called just peachy by an australian brand called muvo and it's super easy so it's the opposite of a purple toning shampoo that would eliminate yellow you Right. Can also utilize I use a lot of temporary colors and temporary toning shampoos are super easy for your clients to be able to use at home they have one called flaming copper just peachy they even have one for brunette coolest brunettes so I think it becomes a two-way relationship that you are also setting a client up for success to be able to to maintain and refine their tone at home as well but that's how I that's how easy I love it it is to keep fresh and then if I want it to fade it just fades to a more yellowy golden blonde
0: which uh-huh. I'm okay with do you struggle with hard water in your area like mm-hmm. is that is that common where you're at it's it's an interesting question actually
1: not so much in in Sydney however Australia interestingly I learned this quite a few years ago when I saw maps overlaid is the same size as America but the population is far more spread out so we are much more coastal. I live on the east coast so we are probably similar to California. There are some areas of the city that have older Um, buildings older beautiful like heritage homes they may have more metallic elements or things that are coming through their water that could make a slight tinge of color some greening happening on the blondes but we also spend a lot of time in swimming pools because it's quite warm so we have have to combat things like swimmer's hair chlorine hair And that's where I find temporary toning shampoos are great as well, Like to use one that's a rose colour by Muvo or the peachy one, so something that's a pale pink. Uh, However, in regional areas, there's bore water and there's different types of water. So if we're not sure or perhaps there's some strange reactions happening, that's where you'd need to be doing the clarifying products as well. So I, I do always do a test strand. Before doing any color transformation um, and new clients seeking out a big change, just to check because it could also be product buildups and things that can wreak havoc with the hair coloring. Yes. Is that something that you experience where you're situated?
0: Big time. Yes. We have like yeah. really heavy mineral rich water here. Um, I know our drinking water is like some of the cleanest and best tasting in the country, which is great, but it is laden with minerals and I struggle with a lot of, even on myself, um, a lot of people, blondes around here especially, get that kind of like tawny greenish hue to their blonde. Um, and then there's some that struggle with a little bit of a peachy residue. And yeah. it's weird because it's like people living in the same town with similar hair colors will have different colors from the hard water kind of showing up in their hair. And so I was like, well, that's interesting. And I wonder, I don't know what it is about it. I don't know enough about chemistry to understand if it's something in like their their personal chemistry or the products mm. that they're using that are reacting with that. But uh, it just made me wonder because I think of Australia and I think of like red dirt in the outback or something you know (laughs) (laughs) so
1: think of the movie like Mad Max and there's there's red dirt. Everywhere. Yeah, and certainly like Adelaide and Perth and the center of Australia, it is. There's more mines. There's still beautiful beaches all up the Western Australian co- coast. But we do have the similar issues for people that are more beachside. I think in our coastal cities, however, there is some of those issues. And I think that it's interesting. Like, why are they going that? peachy color and it must be a thing about porosity I recently wrote a blog for hair detoxing for Mm. consumers and it was suggesting to use a deep clarifying shampoo and whether you apply that onto dry or wet hair like it's still very towel dried and this could be something good for clients to do at home to keep their color bright because it could also be a combination of if somebody works out a lot if they're jogging, there could be sweat. There could be um, body. Um, like there could be powder through there that gives you that root lift and body. Hairspray, dry shampoo, all of that plus the chemicals in the hard water. If you do a detox once a week or once a fortnight, a client can really rub the shampoo and that's when I tell them to rub it all the way down their hair strand and either leave it on for five to 10 minutes. Perhaps they use a nice silicone brush and do that as well. And then it really gets out all of those impurities and it will make the blonde brighter or the red more true to tone or the brunette not such a shiny metallic Color on there and it makes it easier to style, less flyaway. So it could be something as easy as giving them a detoxing
0: de- um, sort of product or a clarifying product. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, really, I mean, it sounds like more than just being a red specialist, you're like, a client educator also right because if if you don't have the home care going on that you can make them look fantastic and they'll go home looking their beautiful shade of red but if they don't have their maintenance program on point that's not going to last for them
1: yeah that's something actually it's an interesting point that i was taught as an apprentice when i was training uh with my mentor allison many many years ago I was taught an educated client is the client, your dream client. So it's our role as salon professionals, as beauty professionals, to educate our client how to maintain how to go beyond just here's a shampoo and conditioner here's a hairspray for you there's multiple different products on the shelves i would never name myself the retail queen i have worked with them i watch them in awe but i recommend to suit how to be educated i would prefer a client to know how to care for their hair how to read book, and what to be asking for but never ever any pressure i love it when they when they come in and say can i get that balayage, bouillage you know (laughs) that we all we all sort of um love to hear your clients say that's so Mm -hmm. sweet i also really let clients know There is no pressure for you to know our language or lingo or technique name. I understand that you've been scrolling like a maniac before you've seen me on all the social (laughs) media platforms. You're asking for baby lights and a zone toner and a, um, you know, a Yeah. But like a baby back and uh, now it's sounding like gymnastics and that's so sweet <laughs> I don't I don't need to know it and I t- just say to them oh look I want to know how you feel about your hair and what would you like to achieve today
0: mm, if it's a
1: Yes. term plan where are we going long term like are they aiming to be a blonde from a black are they aiming to get married in six months and have their Dream caramel Jennifer Lopez inspired hair or something. So, we have perhaps a longer term plan, but how do you feel? Let me choose the techniques. I will explain each process and quote for them at the beginning. So, being a color specialist that niches down into reds or niches down into curly hair shouldn't be a frightening concept for listeners because it just means that you're helping clients know how you can best serve them. And what you like to do. So that's, I think, where niching down can really start. I used to tell every curly hair person in my chair, I love colouring curls. We welcome curly hair here. We have several products, different options for drying. You can leave with it wet. I let them know all of those options. And then I I make sure I tell them, I love doing this. They Mm -hmm. then tell their curly hair friends or simply they rebook and they become a long term client, just like redheads will. It's a secret society that you definitely want in your chair. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I ended up kind of inadvertently becoming the thick head of hair specialist in my first town where I grew up, my first business, um, it was the same thing. It was like I had one or two clients that had just this massive head of hair where it was that coarse textured, very wavy, and in their eyes, unmanageable. And I was able to quote unquote, tame the beast for them. And so then it was like, yeah, the secret society where someone would see them on the street and be like, wait a minute, where do you get your hair done? And so all of a sudden that was my entire clientele right uh and i didn't even mean to do that but i made sure that when that client was in my chair it was like how can i serve you let's identify your struggles let's identify your goals and what i can do to get you there and it was all honest and education based and it was like here's what i know here's what i don't know here's what i'm going to find out and they all loved it and then i had this kind of interesting niche market made for myself there now I didn't have that happen again when I moved to uh, Texas but it was I wasn't seeking it out in the first place had I been maybe I could have done the same thing um, but it was interesting and those people were like my ride or die clients like they're like I will follow you to a cave if that's where you're doing hair I don't care. <laughs>
1: They will. They will follow you. And sometimes we get really stuck up thinking, like stuck in our brains thinking you've got to be on a main street. You've got to be in the biggest city. You need to have big signage, be spending loads on your marketing. We're not all needing to do that. Once I realised... I can work in the salon three days a week. I have cut back my salon hours. I've extended the length of time that I spend with a client. I did a groundbreaking training with, I'll do a shout out to a beauty pricing queen, Maddie Cook in the UK. I love Maddie. I
0: just posted a podcast with her. It just went live today. I interviewed her last week. Okay,
1: I'll... I'll be listening later. I, Love it. I have had her on my podcast and I also invested in her pricing um, online course with the pricing app and I spoke for an online event for her earlier this year. I never thought that I would be getting invited to speak in a lineup of different people that are business minded. And I was talking about how riches or riches, we called it, were in the niches. Mm -hmm. And when I did her course and went through the pricing app, I realized some of my pricing was really where it should have been I didn't really need to raise it and other things there was this massive gap so it, something that I've really learned about being a color specialist and I can't remember the technical name for it but basically let's say if I'm in the salon for eight hours and I am only physically painting a client for three Three or four of those hours. I have processing time, I have a lunch break, I have a setup time, and then they go to blow dry. So I'm waiting for that. I had to change my pricing to factor in the amount of activity time or the percentage in the day. And it was so different to what I'd always guessed it to be. Mm-hmm. And I could only imagine that also if you're doing thicker hair, it couldn't be the same pricing. So for me to go through, And look at, okay, a redhead is not just a base color. It's not just tinting the roots with a permanent color. They often are double or triple process colors, just like blondes can be with treatments, toning, an overall color or some detailing with balayage or highlighting. And then look at the pricing and then add on, you know, the timing, the cost per unit And it was this big epiphany I had. And now I'm able to cut back, work with clients that I love, be more profitable and reach my goals. But it just wasn't something that we were taught. I don't think many of us in the industry were taught. And we were taught that you had to be the busiest or the fastest or at the busiest salon that had the most walk-in clients. And I just want to reassure people if they're working in whatever style of salon you too can find your niche and it may be something that you stumble across like the two of us did and then there's a deliberate action to build on it because you just be listening to people in the chair as to what they're telling you they need and ask them. I love what you just said, Crystal, about the goals. What are your goals? That's an Mm -hmm. awesome question for a consultation as well. And that could then lead you to specializing, but it doesn't mean you have to let go of other things that you like doing, but it does mean that when you let go of other things, you're not so worried about saying yes to every single person trying to please every single client, because it's just not possible. So I love that you're able to, you know, move around these days with social media. I'm in a salon down a laneway under an art gallery that's been there for 12 years. They still don't have a sign out the front. There's a <laughs> there's a sticker on the window if you walk all the way up. Uh-huh. We're busy and we're happy and clients love that experience. And I've worked in other ones where there's 40 chairs and it's really intense. And for a time that was sustainable and exciting, but it wasn't where I, me or my clients needed to be. So I hope that helps people to realize that you can be profitable. Maybe your goal is to work two or three salon days. Maybe your goal is to stop doing haircutting or you only want to do haircutting. And that's really exciting. But you've got to look at you know what your goals are as well and start attracting the clients back to the yeah. salon that
0: are seeking that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious what your... Um, your idea is on when a stylist should niche down, because I've heard differing advice, right? Um, like straight out of beauty school, just only do what serves you and what lights you up. And then I've heard the other side of the argument where you need to go out and have some experiences first to then discover what you want to do. What do you think about that?
1: Oh, I think that's a great question, and maybe I'll
0: I'll answer it in yet another
1: way. That's so I think. In my experience, I said yes to absolutely everything. I got the job with Alison at Blondes, Brunettes and Redheads as a, I think, 18 or 19-year-old nervous Nelly, I would describe myself as, who (laughs) was just living out of home, still had a very sort of safe, um, safe little bob with a few highlights in there and... (laughs) Then I went into this city salon and they had punk hair colour and I found my tribe and started going to all the queer parties and, you know, got really fun into the fashion. And I think that at that stage I just said yes to everything. I said yes to someone shaving my head. I said yes to assisting um, one of the two people that I got to assist and later I'm still in contact with and call them friends, Ruth Roach and Chris Sorby came when I was 19 and I would volunteer, I don't know if people do that these days, to assist, <laughs> to assist at hair shows. They even showed me how to hold a broom. That was humbling and I... <laughs> didn't know what I was doing I think you should say yes to as many opportunities as possible particularly early on because you just don't know what skill you'll learn from that I learned how to hold a broom and I learned how to treat models at hair shows with respect I they were so respectful in their consultation they didn't force anyone to do anything and it has stayed with me since I was 19 almost three decades ago now Mm -hmm. and I I would say my first 10 years as a colorist, I did I did everything. And I also got that job in that city salon because I had this little resume with printed certificates of completion. I would go to Weller, I would go to L'Oreal, I'd go to Redken for a three hour or a full day course. I attended so much education. I'm really enthusiastic about attending and facilitating education. And I really don't think that you do know it all. It's totally okay if that's not sustainable for you. But I don't think that until probably 15 or so years into my career, did it, I, I know that I can do colour placement. I was described as being edgy. I've won colour competitions that are nationally recognised and internationally recognised early in my career for my formulation. So I knew that I would be a colour specialist and other people knew that for me. However, I didn't know about niching down. I probably didn't know what the word niche even was until about five years ago. It really wasn't a thing, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah. No. So I think it was something that's just evolved for me. I realised I needed to do it more so in such a loud, fast, busy salon where I was working that was renowned for the seamless blends and balayage. I, balayage doesn't come as natural to me. I can do it. I can do it visually, but I can't seem to figure out the exact patterns. I've been to lots of different lessons. I do it more organically and that's fine. But I didn't know how to compete with others that were doing all of that technical stuff. And I realized they didn't know how to do simple to me, great coverage and classic coppers. So why not start promoting that? So I think it could go either way, but I, I have worked a lot in volunteer capacity. I have reached out to mentors. I have aligned myself with educators, both in paid positions, in intern type positions. And I've volunteered, even as a fully qualified hairdresser, like about six years ago, Victoria, Victoria, who has uh, the Whittemore House hair paint and bleach. Um, she came out from New York, an Aussie colourist, Aussie-born. And I volunteered to assist. And it was an awesome experience to be able to see backstage. I then used some of the products for a while in my education. And I, I just think look beyond, like you've got to make a decision and then get stuck into it. It, it could organically happen but don't look at niching down as a way of limiting yourself to other experiences because maybe you haven't fallen in love with something yet.
0: Yeah, that's, that's kind of my perspective on it too. And I like to think in the beginning of my career, I was the same. I said yes to everything. And even if it was something I didn't love or something that I wasn't fully confident in, I would say yes. But with honesty, like I would tell my client, Ooh, that's really exciting. I can't say that I've done that before, but I'm totally willing to experiment with you. And if it goes poorly, I'll fix it. Right. (laughs) Uh, Because in my eyes, it was every one of those things that I said yes to was maybe an opportunity, either a learning opportunity or maybe an opportunity because that client would recommend someone else that then became one of my ride or die clients or maybe would introduce me to someone that would further my career. And so I don't like the advice for brand new baby stylists coming into the industry to graduate beauty school thinking I'm going to be an extension specialist and that's all I'm going to do. And I'm like, honey, you need to get out there. You need to know what's what you're capable of and what you can do and who you can serve, you know? Yeah,
1: I, I think I can see why some people might think that as well. And I and I can think back to that time I was doing all these wild colours and making people look like they were tropical fish and <laughs> bright, bright plants, <blonde, laughs> and we were shaving bits of hair off and wearing scarves and like these sort of grungy punk queer culture, like going to nightclubs during the week and still coming into work. And all of that was really fun. And I once, I'll share a secret. I thought that the salon owner had walked out of the back room, but she was actually just lower down. I couldn't see her. She was getting colour from a lower bench. And I had been told at about that age of nineteen twenty. Some of your consultation or the way that you're describing things or not selling retail is not suited to our clients who are professionals in the range of 35 to 55. And, you know, that perhaps some of the looks that you're bringing in aren't that suitable. And I said really confidently, I don't even want those oldies anyway. And then she popped her head up from the bench with the colour tube she'd been looking for. And I just said it was a really good learning moment because my heart sank. <laughs> and I i didn't realise at the time they probably have her money to be coming in every six to eight weeks. They were actually paying for us to have that awesome in-salon training, to be having all the products on the shelf. To be able to do those creative hair shows every three months with the local art students and fashion students that had no money, yeah, so it's kind of a yeah, it's a it's a cockiness and maybe something that does change. And I also think that the younger hairstylists and colorists have this brazen, bold, fearless approach, which we should also encourage because and it will push us. As being older hairdressers or being in the industry for for longer than just getting out of beauty school, it pushes us to be that bit daring and forget about all the mistakes we've made along the way sometimes. So I I can see where some people might want to be an extension specialist because it's a lot of money, Mm -hmm. but perhaps make a higher ticket sale. But then you've got to have a lot of money to be able to invest in the extensions too, right? So it's yes, it's it's, that's where it comes back to pricing. Yeah. yeah, I guess it's, it depends. I really want to encourage people, don't limit yourself and, and go to things because you'd be surprised even if you go to a business for salon owners workshop, you'll still learn something about how to answer the phone or how to do an automatic text reminder or something that might be able to automate your business. It's not all about hair techniques. You still will always walk away with something, whether it's something you don't ever want to do or it's something that you will start implementing it's great to learn yes I think don't limit yourself
0: yeah absolutely yeah I'm always fascinated when I go to classes sometimes the the things that I walk away with right uh you know you go spend all day in some haircutting class and you might walk away with that that one little little flick in the wrist that that person did that you're like oh interesting and that's all you took away but that's still it's great right you learn something and you get to grow as an artist and it's perfect Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, Christina, I'm curious uh, in color terms, what product line do you have like one color line that you just love or like what are your favorites as a red specialist that you use? It's a
1: great question. And it's something that takes a bit of experimentation I work in Australia as've we've, as we've discussed in Sydney. I work with a Australian hair color brand called Kevin Murphy. Kevin Murphy is a global brand. Why I love them is they have beautiful natural reds, auburns, coppers, golds. They also they're an ammonia free. Hybrid isn't the correct word, but they are in my language, a hybrid range that you can intermix all the different levels of peroxide as well as their semi or demi developer. And they have not just all the beautiful reds, that they also have really predictable grey coverage for brunettes And they have my favorite at the moment, favorite bleachers. They have about four or five bleachers from freehand to blue powder with ammonia. they have got ammonia free. So I have that as my complete range. And I stock way more tubes of red on my shelf than I do with probably other salons uh, cursing the person that orders, if not themselves for ordering and forgetting the 6N and a 9V toner. (laughs) I'm the one going, oh no, I haven't ordered the 74 or the 746. So I I, over time know that I need more of those. Mm -hmm. So I stock all that range with a higher amount of reds. I also have and have loved for many years Redken Shades EQ Gloss, the demi permanent colors. I find they complement each other really well. I also have direct dyes, Evo, Fabuloso, which are color pigment conditioners. And more recently in the last year, I use Movo color toning shampoos and conditioners as well. And I retail those. So I rent a chair. We have some Kevin Murphy. And we also have for the neon colors, different brands. So Manic Panic, Crazy Color, Staino. So from what I'm describing, it sounds like, a lot of product, but what I want to share is I choose what works. I'm not committing to any brand that tells me I can only use their brand because I have tried to do everything with one brand. And I certainly did when I was educating I'm also a brand free educator or brand inclusive. I've shifted the wording to. So I've worked in the past with Kune, Goldwell, Weller, Redken, L'Oreal, Matrix, and so many other brands. I really do think that you can achieve any gorgeous red or get great coverage with any brand when you are technically grounded. However, Not all brands for redheads have much selection in a level eight or nine, and that's where it starts to get a little bit challenging. So if you are wanting to learn more about reds or wondering why perhaps your coppers are too bright, it could be in the levels, it could be restricted. I have worked with other brands that I was pretty disappointed with their selection, but I won't name and shame them. (laughs) I've been forced to work with some and then you think how can they not have anything in an eight level? That's where copper gold and natural gingers and lighter coppery tones live. So it doesn't mean that you can't work with other brands, but you need to start getting a little bit tricky with your customizing using a 10 with a six or different blends. So those are the brands I love. And I think being able to layer things is really important. So It's a bit like perhaps cosmetics or skincare that you may use on yourself. You may have various brands. If you look in your drawer, in your bathroom, there might be some things that you use for a moisturizer or a sun protection or a lipstick, if you like lipstick or, you know, a a styling product. I'd say it's very similar to that. So those are the brands that I know and love that deliver awesome results for me and my clients.
0: Yeah, I I do the same. Honestly, I think the fact that you have all those different things just tells me that much more that you're an artist and you understand your products, right? Uh, I almost think it's a little red flaggy sometimes if someone is 100% sold on this one brand and that's all they use, I'm like, Ooh, Hmm. What are you not telling me? (laughs) You know, uh, I've, I've always done the same thing. It's like, I like this from this product and I like this from this product. And then this over here really special for that one thing. And so I end up kind of having a culmination of all these tools to then create the art that we want to create.
1: Yeah, I I think it's all about customization, and it doesn't have to be about overspending. I think those two things are very different. You don't need six tubes of everything and to be guessing every month what you need to order. You can still run a profitable business, whether you're running a salon with a team that you have employees or assistants, whether you're self-employed or not. But if you customise, I just think it's a really special way to be able to be an art and give predictable results without putting pressure on yourself that one range has to be everything for you because you might be getting told something by a brand rep and that's their job to tell you that you can get everything but realistically you can't necessarily do that so I think it's totally okay to have a few little bits and pieces tucked away. Many, many, many hair salons do this, and I've been in many different back rooms and colour areas, and even if they have five blonde toners or five reds from a different brand that they know delivers the results, they have that there. They might just hide it when their other brand (laughs) comes in. (laughs)
0: Probably. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, so Christina, I want to hear a little bit more about the online education that you offer now, uh, for students, um, whether is it a course that people take or, a membership where they're like in a community or both, uh, kind of break that down for me a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've actually just published a new page on my website which is exciting so i'm christina with a k and if you'd like to check it out you can go to christinarussell.com.au or you can find me on instagram at color and i spell it the aussie way c-o-l-o-u-r christina with a k-k-r-i-s-t-i-n-a so i'll share the important links with you crystal for your followers so i have I do have lots of tips that you can find on my Instagram and social media, and I do share some formulas, but I'm a little bit wary of that. So I do try to share inspiration to help people go off and formulate. A couple of years ago, I launched my signature program, and it is called Hair Painting for Redheads. It is an online program that is now an evergreen program. So it is something that when people are ready, they can join it. There's a combination of pre-recorded tutorials so people can dive in straight away and start watching. It's to help people with skills, strategies, techniques. There's six and soon, next month actually, I'll be adding another three techniques that are in the editing sweet at the moment there's nine techniques ranging from classic copper there's I've got a mature model in there with 90 percent gray showing how to apply the color how to formulate how to offer change there's freehand highlighting low lighting and everything that you need to become an expert hair colorist that can confidently offer red techniques and formulations for both natural clients natural looking or those dying to be one and mm-hmm. it also I um, I have it's not like a membership so people get lifetime access which is also awesome because if you're like me you go off and you learn something you want to go back and practice it you come back and you watch the lesson again you go off and do it on a mannequin you then come back and then want to share with others so we do have an online community that is on hosted on Facebook and we have monthly coaching calls for the first four to six months depending on when people sign up with a couple of different um, live masterclasses on consultation I get a special guest to come in and talk about Uh, branding or social media how to start attracting more red and warmer clients how to change your messaging so we cover it all in that signature program and the great thing is people can dive in and then also watch replays of past coaching calls it's all there so if people join now they can see the past ones and they'll have access for life and it's a really really awesome course i've also just launched a fast track course specific to formulations so it is more of a faster track that people may be a good way to get to know me if they're still happy to be using their techniques for now they're super duper busy they're wanting to get in and have some support to have a mindset shift to learn a little bit about how different formulating is how to do great coverage how to decode color tubes. And that's called The Real Secret to Formulating Reds and Coppers that has pre-recorded tutorials. You've got access to me to ask questions under the lessons and it's a 12-month access. So it doesn't have the coaching, but it could be a good entry point or some people just simply want to dive on in and come into the hair painting for redheads. And I've got an awesome a free masterclass as well that you can find on my instagram or on my website so at color christina or on my website Russell.com.au. it's a 60 minute free class on how to avoid hot roots and banding with reds and copper if you watch that you might get a very special offer as well to join the signature program there's a little (laughs) little teaser (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah I'm really excited I'm actually filming again this Sunday I've got a beautiful client coming into she's got naturally black curly hair and we're taking her to a red so we've covered lighter Blonds down to coppers. There's color correction in the signature program. I have how to fix hot roots, how to avoid them, freehand techniques, base and balayage for reds. It's a really comprehensive program that I wish was around when I was training because yeah. I've really realized that you don't get second chances when it comes to hair painting redheads. They just simply go somewhere else. And I want those clients in my salon and I want those clients to be in our listeners salon because they come back every six weeks. They tell all their friends about you. Their friends might be blonde. Their friends don't have to, you know, be redheads, but an unhappy client can really just ruin your reputation. It only takes one redhead to oh. ruin your confidence. It's unhappy and you know, it can just ruin your reputation. So I've got different levels. I've got the signature program hair painting for redheads, as well as the fast track real secret to formulation and a free masterclass as well. All available, the links on on both platforms.
0: Woo, girl, Ooh. you got it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's a very, um, comprehensive collection you've got going there. Do you find in the, you said it was a Facebook where there was like a community of people, if they join, um, do you find that people on their formula share, like, or try to like, if they move from one color line to another, do they help support each other with that? That's something that I've realized. Since creating my
1: course, I was really trying to be brand free. I was using that word a lot and I've shifted it in some of my language to be brand inclusive, but still brand free because I think industry understand it. And all of the techniques I describe as an example, this is level seven starting level. This is a level eight C or eight copper with 30 fold or 9% and the reason why we're doing it. So I use numbers for the levels and descriptions and reflex. And I try to keep it like that so people in whatever brand they're using now, whatever salon they're working in now can understand it and not feel freaked out if the brand changes where they are, if they move cities, if they are going to set up their own salon. I've realized that's something that really scares a lot of people And I myself in the past, when I was a junior colorist looking to grow my clientele, work in a busier salon, I only looked at salons with a particular brand because I believed I could only do it with that brand. So to answer your question, I've realized since opening this course that formula support is something that people really want. So in the group, it's become more and more active In the last, I'd say, six months, people were sitting on the fence a little bit more needing guidance at first. Nobody wants to look like they don't know what they're doing, yet we're all learning. And it is a really encouraging community. People are sharing their painting on mannequins. They're painting color transformations. They're asking for help. And it's something that I offer. I'm in there several days a week. I share my formulas and the why. So it's not just copying a recipe and then getting stuck if any of those elements are different when you're trying to repeat it. So the community group is to help with accountability, to keep you going with the progress of the lessons and also to help you with formulas. We have people in there from all over the world. What's your favorite color stripper? How would I approach this transformation? I'm doing a fuchsia. To copper, how do I do that? So that's where I find questions happen, as well as we have the group coaching that not everyone attends. It's not how everyone likes to learn, but then they watch the replay and they ask questions in the group as well. So it definitely is about formulas in there and technique inspiration. And then I make sure that I'll go in a week later if that's when they were booked in and follow up. So I don't leave that student lingering with feelings if it didn't quite work out. I've encouraged people to really share when things don't work out, as well as we celebrate those successes together, because I want them to push through that uncomfort and to understand what could have changed, what will change next time for them. And we help them each step of the way in that community.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I can imagine, I mean, it's been a while since I've switched color lines, but um, remembering back to when I did, and it can be scary if you don't know what the level system is, like sometimes switching from an American-based color line to a European-based color line or vice versa, like their leveling systems can be kind of different or Mm -hmm. like their red has more of a cool reflect this one has more of a warm reflect and you're like oh no what do i do so having people to help bounce ideas would be amazing right yeah um yeah. that's so cool so i have a question for you then with uh your future mm-hmm. cuz it sounds like this takes a lot of time for you this is a lot of work <laughs> do you see yourself stepping away from behind the chair to do this full time or is that like make your heart palpitate a little bit to think about
1: oh it's such an interesting question and it's like oh I need to spill the tea I'm not <laughs> I'm not about to announce to clients that I'm not <laughs> going to be working with them anymore what I do love is doing both because working on the salon chair working behind the chair sorry on the salon floor I should say keeps me connected to what clients are wanting and keeps me connected currently to what hairdressers are experiencing in the salon. And I think it gives me a relevancy and keeps me faster in my techniques. However, it is a lot because I've also got uh, my podcast, Color Christina Talks for Hairdressers, that comes out usually weekly. There's blogs, there's email marketing, there's community nurturing for all my students, coaching, in-person education is uh, slowly returning as well, which is great. So mm-hmm. my secret currently is, and this is one of the episodes I was listening of yours recently, was about virtual assistants. I have an amazing, I'll do a shout out to Haraya. I have a virtual assistant that supports my business, 30 hours a week.
0: Wow. And I
1: went from thinking, I don't know, I've got a few things I could get done to very easily filling those. We started with 20 hours. So currently, it's working for me to do two or three salon days. I have Haraya helping me to grow, scale, and elevate my education business and elevate our learners experience because she's working at the computer and is available to reply or to alert me on salon days. I don't reply as quick if they've got uh, coaching. So we've sort of got somebody to bounce ideas between each other. How could we let students know they need to give me four days notice for a formula question, things like that. So I Ideally, could do two days a week in the salon if I had the consistency with the income with education. And I can see where it's heading and I'm tracking things and I'm geeking out over, what are they called? Excel
0: spreadsheets. Oh, gosh. Yeah, blah.
1: (laughs) Blah. But if I've got if they've got cute different colors and then I can see the numbers and someone else is creating them and I give them the data to put in.
0: There you I've go.
1: i this kind of a geek for seeing the numbers and the numbers don't lie. So if I, I love teaching, I love talking with people such as yourself. I love supporting other people in their education, in their business And I also love some of my clients, but I would be open to letting that go if I felt that the two businesses were becoming too much. I really want work-life balance and I want to be able to travel. Independence is important to me. Flexibility is important to me and also some you know structure or feeling safe if if the hiccups of life happen mm-hmm. that i'm not really stuck to one or the other currently they support each other if i was to let one go it would be working behind the salon chair mm-hmm. you heard it here first
0: <laughs> it's on record people it's yes. on record yeah no that's cool yeah. i um just recently actually stepped away from working behind the chair like well i guess it's may so it was in april yeah. Uh, oh, wow. it's frightening. It's, it's like, uh, I don't really think it's part of my identity, but it kind of is. Yeah. And so at this point, I'm only going to have people in my chair to be models. Right. So they're not oh, wow. coming to me yeah. as clients at all anymore because I, I had to have a mind shift of like, I, instead of being the service provider, I need to provide other things for the online business and it's terrifying. (laughs) Um, and I don't know if it's going to be permanent, but at least for me, it was kind of a four month goal to step away and be able to focus on something different. And, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm always curious how other people feel because I never thought, I would even say those words. I thought I was going to be like one of my mentors that I started working with, who was like 75 years old and had to finally stop working because her shoulder stopped moving or something. Like she physically Uh. couldn't do it, but she loved it so much that she didn't want to walk away from it. I'm like, that's me. I'm going to be that person. I'm going to be Judy. Um, So, yeah, it's weird. It's a. it's interesting. And I love, I love hearing other people's perspectives. So thank you for sharing that.
1: That's okay. I think, I think that's so great about our industry that we can give it a try and we don't have to be grinding and hustling so much that that means success because working online can have peaks and troughs in, so can education. There could be a big hair show. You might get paid a lot of money for that and then you're sort of stretching it out. But I think Working behind the salon chair, and you get money going into a till or into your account, however, you take payments, it can sometimes give you a false uh, sense that you are earning more, but you're not removing all of the costs, all of the color, all of the rent. And so, it's an interesting time to be hairdressing and to be doing podcasts and to be doing online events that could be from the comfort of your own home or in a studio it's a time to try different things really and yeah I'm excited I don't want to be 75 and doing it I've got the opposite I think wouldn't that be nice if I was fully retired self-funded at 55 I don't think that's happening yeah a lot more to give and I and and I'm not quite ready there because I've traveled a lot and Bought nice bags and shoes, and really blowing <laughs> a lot of things in my twenties. All right. before I met Maddie, I said to her, "I'm really thinking about either buying your course or a new handbag."
0: Oh my and gosh! Her response was, "Buy the course, then the bag." I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> buy the course, it. then you'll have the money to buy the bag. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, this has just been such a pleasure. Um, I am very so much inspired by you and i i love your story and i i know that this will be inspiring for other people and uh you're probably going to inspire some people to look into reds that didn't know they should or could you know or that that could be their specialty so i think that's really fascinating i hope that i have inspired people to look into reds
1: to feel more comfortable about even doing a warmer caramel, a honey copper blonde, to not think that everyone wants to be silvery ash or overtoned purple toning shampoos. And there's a place for it, but it's not for everybody. So when you start customising and listening to people, you'd be surprised what you can start offering because your confidence will grow and you'll know how to offer more alternatives to people still doing what you love. So do reach out, find me on Instagram. I love meeting other hair besties, people that are struggling with color or people that are already loving color, but would just love to connect. And I've got a few different links in my Instagram. There's also a free ebook. There's a few different things that you can do, but I'd love to Um, welcome you into my community and help you with any colour questions that I can. So thank you so much, Crystal, for reaching out to me. I am honoured to be helping you and your listeners and your community. As I said, I've been listening to there was one on client shaming there has been a couple that really piqued my interest that I've been listening to on the VAs and a couple of other ones and I've been binging your show (laughs) so yeah it's so nice to meet you in our digital video room here as well so thank you so much for inviting me to talk with
0: you I really have had such a great time it's me too thank you absolutely all right well you have a wonderful day wait you said it's morning there so it's probably at what lunchtime soon for you yeah Yeah. (laughs) have a great day I'm going to um go make some dinner for my family here which is funny yes and uh I guess we'll just see (laughs) each other for now on Instagram we will okay again thank you so much okay bye-bye Well, that wraps up another episode of the Your Hair Mentor Podcast, my friend. If you would like to have any additional information about coloring red hair, I highly suggest that you go reach out to Color Christina, and remember that is spelled C-O-L-O-U-R. So color Christina on Instagram, and I will make sure to have a link to that in the podcast show notes here and, um, check out her free online masterclass. It sounds super interesting. And if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to reach out and tell me about it. Leave me review, give me a little follow or a subscribe and make sure to tell a friend, you know, I find when I have a podcast that I like, if I send a text message to my friend with it and I'm like, Hey, you're going to love this episode. Check it out. They always appreciate it. And I'm always more quick to receive a text message that way too. So if you like this episode and you want to share with someone, send them a message and send them a link to this episode. I would love it. I would very much appreciate it. And until next time, my friend have a wonderful hair day and I'll see you soon. Okay. Bye. Hey friend, Crystal here, and I've got something special for you that's too good to miss. Introducing the wildly popular Confident Conversations Bootcamp, where we unlock the three secret stylist skills that attract clients who pay. In just three classes, we'll transform how you communicate, connect, and turn every conversation in the salon into a formula for high-paying clients. It's not magic, it's mastery of words, presence, and the kind of confidence that turns heads. So why sign up? Because mastering these skills means more than just full books. It's about crafting a career that's as rewarding financially as it is creatively. We're talking quality clients who value your expertise and are happy to pay you for it. And the best part, it's completely free